Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the week four college football betting preview. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson, who will be questioned about his UMass pick here shortly. What's going on, Colin? You came for the Irish. You came for Georgia. You came for Michigan. You're going to get Central Arkansas and UMass. You should have put that in after the pod and you would have avoided questioning. Although we do have a live show on Saturday mornings where he would have gotten grilled there as well. Um, as we always do on our show that we record on Thursdays, that it comes out on Friday mornings, we will go over the Friday night slate. We will cover all the marquee games on Saturday and the games that we like. Uh, we'll get into some FC yes or no. We'll give out our favorite underdog Moneyline Parlay. Um, you know, we have a lot to get to here. So as we always do, let's start with our segment, Look Ahead or Look Away. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? For those of you unfamiliar or are just, you know, tuning in, for the first time, what we do is we look at next week's slates. So we look at week five and we say, OK, how can some of these games impact this week? You know, ultimately, as I always say, it comes down to the number. But in certain situations, you might have a team that comes out flat. You know, you might have a team that's just, you know, preparing for next week or maybe pulls their starters a little sooner than usual. So let's start with, you know, one of the best spots on the board, in my opinion. It's an ugly team. But Old Dominion. So Old Dominion's catching 28 and a half in Charlottesville against Virginia. Virginia is obviously coming off that win, close win against Florida State. They're at Notre Dame on deck. Old Dominion coming off a bye. I like them catching our four touchdowns. It's just really tough for Virginia, who I think is going to be flat as hell. I don't think they just want to get a lead, get out of their healthy with Notre Dame on deck. They're just such a snail. I mean, Virginia plays so slow, so it's hard for them to cover these spreads. You know, they did against William & Mary, who's obviously significantly worse than Old Dominion, but it was close there for a while. Um, I think this is a good spot for Old Dominion and the under, under 45 and a half, under 46. I mean, this feels like, you know, 34-7, 31-7-ish. What do you see here? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time these two teams have met, you know, right down the road from I-64. Uh, this is the one-year anniversary. This weekend's the one-year anniversary of the Virginia Tech upset where I think the point spread was exactly the same, uh, you know, 28 and a half, which that half is just screaming for a backdoor hook here. It's hard for me to go 
against Virginia in this spot, not because of I think that the offense is going to go vanilla or the fact that Bryce Perkins maybe not plays so much. Maybe you know they just hand the ball off a lot more. Or even the fact that the backup quarterback hasn't even played this year for Virginia. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, I think he's been hurt the first three games. So there's not, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do there as far as like laying off if the score gets big. But, you know, Virginia's eighth in Havoc rankings. I mean, they can just do anything they want. They've had 15 passes defensed, 28 tackles for loss. But the one stat that really kind of like maybe might get me on Old Dominion is the fact that Virginia hasn't forced any fumbles yet this year. That's amazing to me. So, yeah, Virginia's havoc is, is out the door. They're in the top 10, but they haven't forced any fumbles. So the question is, how much will Perkins play? Is the quarterback redshirt, you know, Brennan Armstrong going to come in? He's been day-to-day. But, uh, you know, it's definitely the spot. It's a perfect spot uh, as far as scheduling goes with Virginia. Yeah, and they're just a snail. They play slow, so it's harder to cover. And you might say, Stuck, you're, you're saying 31-7, 34-7. Yeah, if this line, and the line's 20 and a half, if this line was 27 and a half, I wouldn't take it or think about taking it. Um, and, you know, the difference between 27 and a half and 28 and a half with these big dogs is enormous. Um, so, you know, obviously Old Dominion will care. They'll be up for this game. They'll relish this opportunity coming off of a bye in-state game. So I think this line is just a tad high. You make it 27 and a half. Uh, I make it 25-26-ish. So if you can get over four touchdowns mm-hmm. and the under, I think that's the way to go. Let's look at another odd spot, I would say. It's another in-state game between North Carolina and Appalachian State. Next week, North Carolina welcomes Clemson into Chapel Hill. They're coming off that close loss against Wake Forest. App State has looked really good. This is their biggest test of the year. This line, I believe, is down. It opened three, is down to two and a half. UNC is two and a half point favorite. The question is, can UNC play before the fourth quarter for whatever reason? <laughs> I don't know if it's just Sam Howe being nervous. He's a freshman. And then like once he you know, is in comeback mode, doesn't have to think about anything, and he can just let it go, their offense just goes into another gear. But, I mean, it's happening every week. What do you see here? with UNC and App State, the boys from Boone. Yeah, I, I made a play on our action app uh, within the last hour, and it kind of correlates straight into that. So I think the question here is, is does UNC even care about this game? They have Clemson next week, and they don't. you don't understand like how much App State despises these guys. Like Scott Satterfield wanted this job. I mean, everybody that was a fan of North Carolina, they wanted Scott Satterfield from Appalachian State. They did not want Mac Brown. You know, in hindsight, they're okay with Mac Brown. The coordinators got is great, and they started off well this season, except for that weight game. But, you know, Scott Satterfield and the App State program and the administration and the fans, they kind of feel overshadowed by UNC, especially with all the Nike money and the Jordan money and all that. And I think that there's a real sort of in-state little brother hatred, and they're going to come out fired up for this game. You know, I have it at three and a half, so it's kind of super close to the two and a half off of a bye. And the thing is, is if you look at UNC, their defensive line is 106th in line yards and 86th in opportunity rate. So what does that mean for people that don't know what those stats are? When North Car- when teams against North Carolina need to get the rush yards in the situations like third and eight or second and four, they've been successful most of the time. I mean, UNC's defensive line has been outside the top 100 in those kinds of ratings. App State was Zach Thomas. They should run all day. They're number one in the country in power success rate. They're getting two yards whenever they need it in critical downs. I made a play 
on App State plus one in the first half. Anything that we've seen out of North Carolina the last three weeks, South Carolina, Miami, even Wake Forest, that Sam Howe doesn't play till the fourth quarter. These guys don't decide to try to be clutch and win games. Who knows what would happen if they put that second back on the clock against Wake? We won't get deep into that. I like App State in the first half here. Yeah, I mean, App State, we knew coming in was going to be a good team. But, you know, with a new coach and could there be some changes that we don't really know. I mean, we know that there's, you know, they brought a lot back. Zach Thomas, a quarterback. All they played so far is Charlotte, your Charlotte boys, in a game that was 56-41. And then they rolled East Tennessee State in the first week. Um, so we expected them to be good, but it's not like we could take too much out of those first two games. If you want to bet this total, I have a feeling this might be a shootout. And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with you going App State in the first half. Uh, let's talk a team that came out and looked really impressive last week that we were down on after what we saw, but the offensive line finally showed up, and that is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They go to Illinois, and they are laying, I believe, what's this line up to, 13 now? They host Ohio State next week. So can Nebraska get caught up here being sleepy? You have Illinois, who's coming off of a home loss to Eastern Michigan, you know, so Nebraska, they looked a lot better. They got a big adjustment for me. I make this line right around here. What do you see here with Nebraska, Illinois? Yeah, I made the line even higher. I made it Nebraska minus 15 here. So uh, there's other power rating systems out there that have it power rated less than 10. So it's interesting to see the line movement here as we got up to 13. I think there's been some buyback on Illinois finally. But Nebraska put up 525 yards last week. They averaged 7.2 yards per rush against Northern Illinois. Uh, they had 238 yards on the ground. That's what we've been waiting for. We've been wanting to see this out of Nebraska, and they finally got it together. For me, I'm not going to play a side because last week it was kind of dipping around the 15 and 13 range, and I I had Northern Illinois. This week, I'm just going to be on the over. So if you look at the drive log that the, the, uh, for Northern Illinois had against Nebraska, you know you could see that they had two field goals. They had a turnover on downs at the one-yard line. They got all the way down to the one-yard line against Nebraska and had a turnover on downs. The other two times they were in Nebraska territory, they had an interception. And then to end the game, they got in Nebraska territory and had another turnover on downs. So NIU was loaded with chances to get that cover home. They never did. I think the correct play here is the over. I, the offense might have fixed itself, but the defense hasn't. Yeah, this is probably a stay. I mean, the spot is just bad. The line looks about right. This is just the definition of a stay away game for me. Um, another stay away game here, Washington State, UCLA. This looks like a pass to me, but curious to see what you think here. UCLA has just been dreadful. And luckily, they got in the second half number against Oklahoma, a number I thought was too high. Uh, overall for the game. They play Washington State here. I think this number is a little too high, but I just have, I mean, after what I saw last week, you know, I just have no interest in backing UCLA plus 19 here in Pullman. If it gets to 21, sure, I'll look at the Bruins. But what do you see here? Yeah, same thing. I have, uh, you know, UCLA power rated to be plus 14 in this game. So you think that I'd be sweeping up the plus 19 and have no problems with it. But no, just like last week when it was inflated against OU, I'm not doing anything with this line whatsoever. UCLA, they're going up against the Air Raid and Mike Leach. Yet they're 120th in the country in allowing 10-plus yard passes. They're 99th in the country in allowing 20-plus yard passes. And now they're going up against <laughs> Air Raid and Mike Leach. So no thank you. No love for UCLA. The last spot that I wanted to mention was Iowa State, who I think is in a brutal spot here. Right? They, they're coming off that devastating 17-hour game against Iowa, a game they should have won, You know, if you look at the box score. They lost by one. You know, that streak continues where they can't win the Cy game. They have Baylor on deck, Big 12 game. 
And now they welcome in ULM, La Monroe, off a bye. Um, and if you recall, La Monroe went down to Florida State and didn't go for two. I'm so tired of yelling about this. I missed the extra point and lost 45-44. They have an explosive offense. They will put the ball up in the air. You know, their defense is a Sunbelt defense. But Iowa State's offense is just not explosive yet. You know, they're trying to replace Montgomery and Butler. This is not a team. I, I don't I think they come out really flat. I think ULM, you know, can throw a little bit on them. Iowa State's weakness is in their secondary. You know, so you could have Caleb Evans who can really he can he, he'll make some bad boneheaded throws. But I think 18 here, you know, I don't think it's the 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 number has the most value in the world, but I just think this is a hard, hard spot for the Cyclones. Um, so you'll probably see a play from me uh, come across on the app on the Warhawks. Any thoughts there, Colin? No, I completely agree. Uh, ULM, they're they're in one of the Sunbelt offenses that can put it up on you. But we need to check weather in Ames. Uh, there is, you know, here, I'm here in the Midwest, and there's some uh, weather passing through, and I think Ames was on the radar to get some weather. So that could slow down how explosive ULM could be, and it may uh, be the advantage of Iowa State. So keep your eyes on the weather, and if it looks clear and we can get a key number, I'll be right there with Stuck. Yep. So let's get into some of the marquee games of the weekend and some of the games that we really like. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week four. Let's start at, you know, let's start with a game that you probably might have a little bit of your reputation on the line with. And that's uh, UCF and Pitt. You got a text from a podcast friend, uh, Brett Uh McMurphy, saying, Oh man, your number in the app is well for the number that came out. <laughs> and I'm referring to the UCF pit game. This line, 12, 11 and a half, 12 ish. You make it around one. Um, you've been hating on this UCF team all year. And if you look at their a lot of their advanced stats, they look really impressive. Now, they caught who they played, and they caught Stanford at a terrible spot and really hobbled. You know, so their, their defensive line numbers look really good. But I do agree that this is inflated. I don't have it at one. But anything double digits, I think, is crazy. I think UCF is overinflated here based on what people have seen. But I don't necessarily think the body of work is as impressive as many think. What are your thoughts here? Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the same spot as last year. I had Pitt, I had Pitt in the spot down in Orlando. They got blown out. Narduzzi didn't have an offense. Defense couldn't keep up. They just got blitzed. They got trucked. So that didn't. Yeah, trucked. I mean, I, I just, it was bad last year. So now things have changed a little bit. And by the way, as we're talking, one of the operators has taken it down to 10 and a half. So there's at least some other pit out there, pit money out there besides mine. But as far as this game is concerned, yeah, I have a power rated much lower. Uh, when the Lions came out, made a play immediately on the action app. Haven't really had any, uh, you know, heartburn about making that play days ago, even though it got up to 12 and a half and I think some 13s. This number is so far off my power rating, but this is par for the course when it comes to pit. I had Pitt rated way higher than minus four against Ohio. Had no problem covering that game. I had no problems whatsoever betting Pitt against Penn State. Covered that game easily. Not going to get into the whole field goal thing. I didn't need it. I already had enough points to cover. So there's something going on here. Either just like odds makers are, are way behind on Pitt, or maybe I'm just way ahead because of Mark Whipple. Or maybe Dylan Gabriel's the real deal. Maybe 
And he is, and maybe, and maybe he's the one getting the bump here because the kid, you know, he he's one of the most explosive passers in the country. Can't take it away from him, but I mean, you know, Pitt, Pitt's been doing their job. They've been covering games. They've been they've been hanging in there, beating teams they should, hanging in with Penn State when they were, you know, a much bigger dogs. I I just don't think that Pitt's been adjusted correctly. Both teams are top twenty in the Action Network havoc ratings. Pitt is not having a problem sacking the quarterback and getting pressure whatsoever. Uh, they're fifteenth in sack rate right now, and they should be able to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel. And if they want to wheel old Brandon Wimbush out for a snap or two, that's fine. But, I mean, Dylan Gabriel's going to feel some pressure this week, unlike Stanford. Stanford can't at- attack a cold. And then Mark Whipple, on the other hand, I think he's going to find ways to attack and get points up on the board, unlike what Pitt was able to do last year. Think of it, when, when I handicapped it this way, I really got into the to deep into this game. This is how comfortable I am with my, with my Pitt number. Stanford losing their all-Pac-12 left tackle, and they lost one of their key contributors on the offensive line, and they were in a sandwich spot in between Oregon and USC, flew across country, played early in the day. UCF had zero sacks. Zero sacks against a beat-up, not-want-to-be-there, not-interested Stanford team. That really kind of left an impression on me. So I, I think Pitt's going to be able to put some points up and get this cover for me. Fair enough. All right, let's get into some of the marquee games. we got, yeah, I would say, three kind of blockbuster games on paper. Uh, let's start first with the primetime <laughs> showdown between Notre Dame and Georgia. This line, I believe, is sitting Georgia minus 14 and a half everywhere. You know, I personally can't bet this at 14 and a half. I do think Georgia is going to roll. Like Notre Dame, it's funny. This is like, I think they're just due for their SEC beatdown. It happens every six years against a top five SEC team. 2007, they played LSU. They lost, I think, 42 to 14. And then 2013, they played Alabama. They lost, I think, 41 to 14. So I could easily see, you know, six years after now, this year, that happening again. The big storyline here is, you know, it's not rocket science, is Notre Dame's defensive line is significantly smaller than Georgia's offensive line, which might be the best in the country with their stable of backs. And their running, rushing attack is so explosive. And Notre Dame, I mean, in some metrics, they're bottom 10, bottom 20 in rush defense. They're, you know, they're giving up over 200 yards to New Mexico and Louisville on the ground. I mean, what is this Georgia offense going to do? It could also be a little personal. I know Georgia went down to Notre Dame a couple years ago and won 20 to 19. But, you know, Georgia thought that they should have been in the playoff even with two losses over Notre Dame. This is in Athens at night. The speed of Georgia, I think, will show. You know, they're going to need Book to make a ton of plays. They're going to need some turnovers. I can't see Notre Dame hanging around. The problem is I make it two touchdowns, and it's at 14 and a half. I didn't get it under 14. So I'll look for Georgia live. Maybe maybe Notre Dame has a fluke first half, and I can get Georgia second half. But this is a bad matchup for Notre Dame. Agree? Yeah, really bad. Before I get to those numbers, do you, this, this scenario feels like Clemson and Notre Dame from last year's playoff, where you and I made the number around eight, eight and a half. But the number for Clemson had trailed out to 11, 12, 13. And we sat back and said, well, our power ratings say this, our power ratings say this. And just everything. You couldn't find one stat to back up Notre Dame whatsoever, and I feel like this is the exact same thing. Generally, when I make a bet, I can make a case for the other team. I just think the team that I'm betting on has a better case. In this case, I can't make one. I can't tell you one math stat. I can't tell you one situational stat. I can't tell you any reason to take Notre Dame. It's actually kind of scary. So, I, again, we make this game, uh, I think, 11 and a half or 12. Stuck and I were talking about this offline on Sunday and said, are you kidding me that New Mexico – ran for 4.6 yards per carry. What are you going to do with that when New Mexico is running 4.6 yards per carry on 46 attempts? It wasn't even like 10 attempts. It was 46 attempts. Stuck is right. Georgia's the best in the nation on the offensive line. 
They're best in the stats when it comes to things called line yards, opportunity rate. They're second in the country in stuff rate. Their new offensive coordinator, James Coley, he's finding explosive plays, not just on the ground, but he's starting to hit a bunch of wide receivers that nobody was nobody even knew their names three weeks ago. Irish are 101st in passing down sack rate. What does that mean? In passing downs where Jake Fromm is back, it's third and eight. They will get zero pressure on Jake Fromm. Georgia can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. So the Irish are 117th on third down conversion rate on defense. So, I mean, it's just, it is an extremely, extremely bad matchup. So Georgia's going to have full control of the ground, the air, the clock. The only thing that's missing from this game is whether Kirby Smart is going to get havoc plays. He's looking for forced fumbles. He's looking for passes defensed. He wants some pick sixes. When I think about that, Kirby knows that if some wonky shit happens in the SEC championship game or something's going on in the SEC where Alabama's sitting out there with one loss and they want to get into the playoff, Kirby knows how important this game is to the full resume of the college football playoff. Now, I will say this. There's not a lot of times where there's 80% of the money and 80% of the tickets all on one side and I'm looking to bet. This is that spot. I'm willing to swim with all the fishes and blow my power ratings away and say that Georgia has no problems calling their own score. Look for a 14. You don't want to worry about the hook. Look for a 14. Yep, I would agree. And then also special teams. You know, Notre Dame replaced, the, you know, they have freshmen at their key positions. And we have Blankenship on Georgia, the reliable kicker. So Georgia even has an edge oh, yeah. there. It's hard to find many advantages for Notre Dame. It is one football game. Things can happen. But on paper, right. it doesn't look great for the Irish. Another game, the SEC CBS 330 slot, uh, Auburn, Texas A&M. It's down in College Station. This opened at four. Texas A&M a four-point favorite. It's down to three and a half. And, you know, what I'm looking at here is Texas A&M, by the way, speaking of special teams, one of the best punters in the country. I'm looking at Texas A&M first half. And the reason for that, if you remember that Oregon game, that joke Oregon game that Auburn stole despite Bo Picks, um, his best efforts to give it away and then that lucky throw, he they won despite <laughs> him. I mean, he was awful. Awful. Yeah, I'm still not over it. He's going down first true road game, you know, at one of the toughest places to play in the country. And Kalamon on the other side, the quarterback for NM, he's been in a ton of these games. So I think you might see, you know, Bo Picks come out a little. I know it's Bo <laughs> Nix, everybody. Uh, come out a little, you know, shaky and rusty, maybe th- throw a pick or two true to his name, you know, force a few balls. They also have a safety that's out for the first half for targeting. He comes in in nickel packages, also a big special teams contributor. And then also, you don't have that the Malzahn magic second half adjustments. And I'm getting under a field goal in the first half. So I think Texas A&M comes out hot here. The, the experience at quarterback in particular, you know, in this hostile environment, I think they come out firing. I wouldn't be surprised if Malzahn cooks up some stuff in the second half like he did with Oregon and makes some you know, adjustments as he's so adept at doing. Um, so I'm rolling with AM first half here, minus two and a half. Yeah, I think that's actually the way to go. I never even thought about taking the first half because I everything that I've seen and looked into the stats is just Auburn's not going to get anything to go on the ground whatsoever. This Texas A&M rush defense is tops in the country. They're better than Auburn's. They're better than Alabama. They're better than LSU. They're first in the nation against power success runs. That means Auburn's not going to be able to get anything short whatsoever. So what does that mean? Bo Nix is going to be in third and long all day. But they're outside the top 100 in pass yards per attempt. I think Bo Nix is averaging around six yards per pass. I mean, that's not going to work when you're in third and eight or third and long. So uh, obviously that's going to be an issue. I think 
The thing that I've been waiting for is I want to see this thing go to three. So our Action Network power ratings make this six, Texas A&M minus six. But there's another power rating system out there that says Auburn should be favored by one and a half, which is why I think this number keeps dipping down. And I will gladly look for a three on Texas A&M because I just don't see how Bo Nix is going to be able to get the ball down the field. Now, if I'm going to take Texas A&M at the current number at minus three and a half, I want confirmation that wide receiver Seth Williams is not going to play for the Auburn offense. He's the guy that Bo Nix wants to target downfield. He's going to be sort of the safety blanket. I think he's Auburn's best uh, target out there. And if Seth Williams isn't playing, I don't know how this Auburn team moves the ball whatsoever. There's so many injuries on Auburn's defensive side of the ball. You turn it around on Kellamon on the Auburn defensive side of the ball. Derek Brown, the star defensive tackle, hurt, banged up. Everybody's day-to-day. Uh, you just don't know how it's going to work out. I think Texas A&M is in a spot to get this game. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting patiently to get a key number. Not a, you know, not a huge bet. May play it first half, but uh, Auburn moving the ball. I just I don't see how that happens. And if Seth Williams doesn't play, I, I think this is an easy Texas A&M play. Yeah, and don't sleep on the punter in this situation. Backing up a you know fresh, true freshman quarterback in his first road game in one of the most hostile environments, just back him deep in his own territory, forcing a throw, uh, especially early. Uh, look at the first half there. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Uh, the game that everyone's going to be watching early at noon, Michigan-Wisconsin. This has national title implications, Big Ten futures, my futures in particular, on Michigan. And look, this line was, what, minus four, minus five in, you know, look-ahead lines in preseason. Now it's Wisconsin minus three and a half. We talked about this two weeks ago. And I said, look, after the adjustments from what we've seen from Michigan, Wisconsin, I make this around one-ish. So if I see any either team over three and a half, I'm taking it, which I did. And I took Michigan plus three and a half. I think that there's a couple things working in Michigan's favor here based from what you've seen. Look, their offense hasn't looked great. hasn't looked crisp. They had a bunch of fumbles and bad fumble luck. But if you look at like that middle Tennessee state game, they missed just a, a couple passes. They were just off on, you know, when they were running their read option, Patterson wasn't really pulling it. I think he, he had a hurt oblique. So I think he was nursing some injuries against winnable teams. So they also will get Runyon back here, probably Peoples-Jones. They're going to be as healthy as they've been all year. And they needed this bye week. You know, they have a new offense. Wisconsin knows what they're going to do. You know, they're going to feature Jonathan Taylor. They were rolling. And I think that the overreaction here is just a little much. And I know John Harbaugh is 0-6 straight up as an underdog, 2-4 and against the spread uh, at Michigan. And Michigan hasn't won at Wisconsin since 2001, I believe. But I just think this is an overreaction for what Wisconsin has done against two just cupcakes. Central Michigan and South Florida didn't even bother showing up. And then Michigan, you know, they it happens. You struggled with Army. And, you know, Middle Tennessee State, there were some plays there. So I agree that the line shouldn't have been four or five, where what Michigan minus four or five, where it was preseason. You know, you got to adjust it down from what you've seen, but not over a field goal for Wisconsin. You do still worry about the the Michigan interior, but I do think that they're going to have you know some tricks up their sleeve on offense. Josh Gaddis and you know I don't think that they were showing everything, and that that, that bye week it just favors Michigan so much more 
because they needed to work some kinks out. They needed to get healthier, while Wisconsin would have preferred the last week, let's go, let's play. So I think that bye really does help Michigan. Uh, what do you see here? I like it when we put trends on the show. This is handicapping by our trends. Here's the trend. Collins 0-1 and the pocket backing Michigan. So, listen, I don't know how to handicap Wisconsin this season. Uh, to be honest, they haven't had a point scored against them. How do you handicap a team when you're in week four and they haven't had a point scored against them? Go into the box score. Central Michigan had 58 total yards. 58 total yards? Yeah, then they had 500 against Akron. Thanks, Chip. <laughs> what the hell? So, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to properly handicap Wisconsin. Am I happy about my 18-to-1 futures at the Westgate to win the Big Ten? Of course, but that could all be... Yeah, you know, that could all go down the shitter here real fast. So I make this game Wisconsin minus one and a half. Uh, there is a lot of narrative out there about how this game has jumped up too much. Of course it has. The public perception on Michigan is extremely low. The public perception on Wisconsin is really high. That's why they can jack it three points and get a whole bunch of people to come to the window. So yeah, the splits are, you, know, you would assume that the splits would be high on Michigan. Like, oh, everyone's on Michigan three and a half, but it's not. It's pretty balanced. So it tells yeah, it me the line is right from, you know, a, a sportsbook perspective. But I just think over the field goal. If, look, if Wisconsin was plus three yeah. and a half, I would take them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and but I, I'm not sure if there'll be enough enough points in this game to try to play it live and try to get both sides. Kind of like we did with that Iowa Iowa State game that was separated that was by 17 beauty. hours, like we said. But listen, so let me let me throw some things out that we do know about Michigan. So at least we we have more of a sample set against real teams with Michigan. The offensive line is getting zero push. They're 104th in power success rate. They can't get two yards when they need it. Shea Patterson was dealing with an oblique injury after his uh, first fumble against Middle Tennessee. Don't know if that's still an issue. We will see. Donovan People Jones to me is the the key in this game. Army was doubling up linebacker on the outside of the tackles every time Shea would run RPO inside the tackles. When Shea ran RPO inside the tackles, he saw two linebackers outside the uh, outside the tackle, and he handed it off on the inside every time, not to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is explosive and could have made that run much more successful. Uh, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is, is just key to this offense, and if they want to run it up the middle with this RPO when Shea Patterson is given a read, I, I think Peoples-Jones is, is big. So if he's playing and he's healthy, I think there's going to be points put up on the board. Defense is a bit of a head-scratcher for me for Michigan. They're 120th in Havoc. How, how did that happen? When I think of Michigan, I think grinding defense. I think ball on the field. I think interceptions. Uh, I think Braylon Edwards. How'd that name come up? But I, I just think more than 120th in Havoc rankings. So I, I don't know what's going on with the Michigan defense, but even their defensive line is 75th in power success rate, which tells me that Jonathan Taylor is going to should eat all day at short yardage situations. But if Peoples-Jones plays, then I like the over in this game. So I'm not going to have a side. And there may be, you know, like we said, the, you know, Vegas and the odds makers and whoever has made this line to match both public perceptions to get action on both sides. I like the over in this game because I think Michigan actually is going to work out some of the kinks over the two weeks, get a little bit healthy. If people's Jones is there, then great more points. And I think Wisconsin is going to be able to score too, based on what we've seen out of the Michigan defense. So I'll take the over anything that all the trick play, anything that you haven't seen the wrinkles, you're going to see them from Michigan this week, mm -hmm. which is one wild card here. You mentioned Michigan names. When you say Michigan, what I think of Tim Biakovatuka, you want me to tie all this back to what you just said? How about Army and Michigan, Tyrone Wheatley, who's now the new head coach at Morgan State, who plays Army this week, and Army's a 50-point favorite in that game. Uh, Morgan State is absolute ass. All right, so let's move on to some of the other... I would say undercard, but interesting games. Tennessee, Florida. Now this thing's, you know, Tennessee at Florida is sitting right around 14, 14 and a half. Obviously, Felipe Franks is out for the year. 
there's some other key injuries to keep in, you know, keep track of on Florida. Um, you know, one of their main receivers, you know, a couple of defenders, their corner. So that's what I'm keeping my own. Tennessee's getting a couple guys back on defense, Bryce Thompson in particular, who threatened his girlfriend and then to blow up the school, but apparently he's back. That's how bad Tennessee needs corners. But they say he might not be in game shape. Tough game to cap. I mean, Trask is going to get the start. He came in and, you know, led the comeback against Kentucky and Lexington. This is a kid who hasn't started a game, I believe, since eighth grade. He was Derek King's backup in high school. Yes. Talk about bad luck. So, you know, he's going to be starting his first game here. Yeah, it, what do we have from Tennessee? I don't know. I mean, I still can't get over the fact. I think it's too high at 14 and a half. There's a lot of unknowns, a lot of injuries. I got to see who's playing for sure. But remember I said, why did Tennessee not run the ball against Georgia State? Georgia State is now, their defense is averaging six and a half yards per rush. That's 129th in the country. Western Michigan ran for 17 trillion yards last week against Georgia State. And Tennessee wouldn't run it. Their offensive line is a mess. They wouldn't run it more than, I don't know, 13 times. So, you know, I actually think there might be more points than people think in this game with the backup quarterback. You know, the, the problem is with Tennessee's offensive line, Guarantano holds the ball so long. It holds it longer than any SEC quarterback. At 14 and a half, Tennessee intrigues me, but I feel like I'm guessing a lot of injuries. So I might may just sit on the sidelines here. Do you see anything here? No, zero. I'm going to pass on this with Trask at uh, playing quarterback behind Felipe Franks. And then, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt comparing the Tennessee program to the Titanic is sinking and we're seeing the rats run to the top. I'm out. No Tennessee plays for me, please. All right. Oak State, Texas. These Herman streaks are crazy. You know, your dog, your favorite. And then he can't beat Gundy. He just cannot beat no. Gundy. Texas is a five point favorite here. Uh, what do you see with the pokes and horns? Yeah, I mean, Herman hasn't beat Gundy since 2009 when he was an assistant at Iowa State. Uh, there was a little bit of a mid-game scrum going on last year where uh, one of the coaches was on the field, and then Herman was yelling at Gundy, then Gundy came running on. They had a post-game handshake. They've been very cordial, and, and when asked about it since then, I don't think they have any respect for each other whatsoever. The Pokes are averaging 7.5 yards per play right now. The offense is on fire. They're in the top 15. They've scored. The Cowboys have scored on every red zone attempt. Uh, Texas not doing so well. Uh, their, their numbers are a little bloated. I understand that when you play LSU and it's just balls out for the entire time. I understand the numbers can be inflated, but Texas is still outside the top 100 in opponent yards per play and allowing people to score in the red zone. So that doesn't look good. I make this Texas minus two and a half. So I have made a play on Oklahoma State. I would suggest on waiting. There is some Texas money coming in. It's going to be some sixes pop up. I think that would be the best number that you want to get. But the injuries up and down the Horns roster is, is bad, especially on defense. I mean, the secondary's bruised, banged up. Uh, they're missing Overshone, and uh, uh, he's he was ruled out earlier in the week. You know, so problems at safeties. And I think Sean Gleason, the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, is going to go straight after that. So, uh, I, you know, I like Oklahoma State in the points, and and could be a possible upset again here for Gundy over Herman. Yeah, I mean, I needed seven which maybe I'll, I'll get live. I, you know, I think the line is pretty good at five-ish, at six. Maybe I would look at Oklahoma State. You know, you make it two and a half. I make it around three and a half, four. So five is right. a really solid line for me. I was hoping to get seven with Oak State, which is not going to happen. And by the way, I'm still mad at Oak State for breaking that tackle with two minutes to go on fourth and one when Tulsa had no timeouts. Tulsa couldn't cover. And again, they led 21-20 in the second half. But anyway, Michigan State, Northwestern, Mm. Cats, cats. This line, Michigan State minus nine and a half at Northwestern, which, by the way, on the lake there, there's going to be winds. Check the winds, 15, 20 miles per hour, uh, which will impact this game. This total is down to 38. 
you know, I I threw Tulane in a money line parlay with Michigan State. I don't know how Northwestern scores outside of voodoo. You know, <laughs> Northwestern, if you do, if you look at, at as an underdog the last three years, they were 14-3-1 against the spread. Well, and before that fumble against Stanford, so maybe their voodoo is running out. So, they, you know, Fitzgerald's always been great as an underdog. They find ways to win. You know, in those 18 games, I think he's won 11 of them, 11, 11 and 7 straight up in those 18 games as a underdog over the last three seasons before this year. But I just don't know how North. I've watched Northwestern. You know, they scored some points against UNLV. I mean, so could Arkansas. So could you and I. It's you know, it's it, this offense is atrocious. So and Michigan State's defense is legit. They showed it once again last week. Arizona State only had 200 yards. The defensive line is dominant. Northwestern is going to be able to run it. It's going to be windy. How does Michigan State score? I don't know. I, I think that this game is ugly. I'm looking at the under, but I think I prefer. Northwestern team total under again. I said that about Arizona State, and I should have went through with it. But this game could be like 13-7, 12-10, who knows. But I think Michigan State finds a way. Northwestern is going to have trouble scoring here. But I see you, you put a, a play into the over, which shocked me. What do you see here? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I put a play in on the over because I projected this to be about 10 points over the current number. Uh, I actually, as based upon yards per play, and it turns out Michigan State was like positive uh, point two, you know, 2.5, and the number of plays they've been playing is up since last year. Uh, so that's how the projection got to be higher. The offensive line scares me, though. I mean, how many busted plays is there going to be? You can't, can't brush, run block for anybody. Michigan's offensive line is in complete shambles. Uh, I did put over in for a little bit of money. Uh, the number is not taken off like expected. So, I'm going to sit with it. Uh, I would still recommend it for a little bit of money just based on the fact of how many plays per game both these teams are running. The yards per play on Michigan State has been exceptional. Uh, Northwestern's, I think, is even uh, when you have a differential between what they give to their opponents and what they have their self. So just based on mathematics alone, I think the number's going to go over, which is why I played it. The world's on the under. The world's pounding the under. It has nothing to do with me just kind of trying to be contrarian with the total. It just comes down to how many plays are being made a game in the Michigan State games. By the way, shout out to my boy, Darren Ravel. I love shouting him out because everyone hates him. But if you ever met him, he's the nicest <laughs> guy in the world. He just loves – he knows how to play the heel. He, his article, which you should always read every week on, on the market report, one of the things he mentioned in there is like, yo, 38 and a half seems low. And people are like, wow, I don't want to play under. You know, in eight Big Ten games last year, Michigan State only had one that went over 39 points. Uh, and, of course, that was against Northwestern. So, you know, this this and, you know, over the last five years, half of Northwestern's games against Big Ten foes have resulted in totals of 39 or fewer points. So if you want to bet an under, these are the two teams to do it with. I just don't think Northwestern gets to 14. So the thing is, there's no team totals out right now that I can bet. So the totals at 38, the lines at nine. So, you know, you're assuming 24, 14, 14. it moves a little bit. So the difference between I really want a 14 and a half, a 14 um, will be huge. So that's what I'll be looking for. But if the total moves one way or the other, you might not get it or the line. So keep your eye out there. Keep your eye out in the app. So now the time has come. The time that you've all been waiting for. The event that caused Twitter to just (laughs) stop dead in its tracks. Everyone's at work. They hear a buzz on their phone. And all of a sudden they look down. Colin's out in the play. All right. What's this? UMass. UMass, UMass, UMass is the new UConn. I refuse to bet this, part of my French, complete fucking dog shit UMass team. Someone was like, UMass is 129th in stuff rate. I'm like, UMass is 100 on Twitter. I replied, I was like, UMass is 129th. That's that's an improvement. They're 129th or 130th in almost everything 
in the country. Uh, the world is waiting. How can you recommend and play and put your hard-earned money behind the Minutemen as you, uh, would you say you get your militia gear on? I got my militia coat on, my uh, Patriot hat, uh, and my bayonet. First off, this isn't a joke, all right? In our company Slack, I posted the ticket. I really have some real money on UMass plus 17 here. You can't so, even say it without laughing. Come on now. I have to get – this is Big J here. This is Big J journalism here. Let me let me get through this UMass bet here. This All right, this all started with one thing, which was our power ratings, which made Coastal Carolina minus 9. All right, minus 9. So remember, the numbers sit at 17, eight points higher, couple of key numbers in there, way higher. So just – by that alone, I have to at least investigate it a little bit. I know who UMass is. No, I mean, of course I know who they are. They're UConn. I made a shit ton of money on Charlotte just boat racing UMass last week. No problems with that. That thing was done at halftime. I could put my phone down. So I looked at the number, eight points off what I got it. Okay, well, let's keep looking at it. You're telling me that a Sun Belt team not named App State or Troy – or Georgia Southern, or ULL, is going to visit another FBS opponent, and they're going to be favored by 17. Oh, and the team is Coastal Carolina? Let's talk about Coastal Carolina. Sure, they beat Kansas. The, it was even in total yards, but the Jayhawks gave them two, two turnovers uh, to win that game. By the way, there was only 12 points scored in that game. I believe the chance are averaging like uh, 18, 23 points a game right now. That's not a lot. The chance beat Norfolk Stake by 39 Last week, that team is 232nd out of 256 Division One teams on the Sagarin ratings. All right. Coastal, I think, is a little bit overhyped. This is still a Fred Payton quarterback that has more interceptions than he does touchdown passes. And the chance have one of the worst punting and red zone defensive units in the nation. I'm talking 129th, 130th. But if you want me to get down to brass tacks about 17 points, Coastal is a triple option on the ground, slow pace offense. They're not trying to zip it down the field. They're not trying to throw it over your head. And they have Appalachian State next week. I don't know how much they want to go up there and blow UMass out when they got App State next week, when they may want to hide some things. They may want to disguise some things. They're not stupid enough to go up there and give App State a whole bunch of tape. Coastal is a ground team. They always have been with the triple. If you go and you read UMass's uh, Walt Bell up there giving pep talk saying, we had 29 missed tackles. In other words, we had our arms around 29 Charlotte runners and lost them all. We focused the entire week on tackling. That's all we did is work on tackling. I expect better effort out of UMass. Maybe that gets us 29 misses up to 15. I don't know what improvement at UMass looks like, but here's what I know. It's a huge double-digit number with a Sunbelt team that loves to run on the ground as overlooked to App State. Let's go. Uh, when I say UMass in the UConn, it has more meaning than just a joke. Like, all right, let me tell you, SEMO lost to Missouri last week, 50-0. The week before, they lost to Montana State, 38-17. In week one, they beat Southern Illinois, 44-26. Southern Illinois went up to UMass and beat UMass 45-20. to Southern Illinois went up to UMass, the team that lost at, at Missouri, 50-0. My point is, when I say they're the new UConn, last year it didn't matter what the line was with UConn. It didn't matter. They wouldn't cover. You just it's Early in the year, they would just give up 14,000 yards per play and lose and not cover. And then you just had to keep dropping them and dropping them and dropping them. I don't want any part of this. And if this comes below 17, maybe I'll go against you. You make some good points. Your points are valid, so I'll give you that. You passed your test in the explanation phase of the 
But I UMass is that team. They're just you don't touch it. It's it's poisonous. <laughs> you only fade it or you watch it from afar and laugh at the box score. Before we get to FCS or no, there'll be more on that. Uh, I'm sure on our show on Saturday morning. Let's go rapid fire here. Bunch of you know the top teams in the country are huge favorites. Bama against Southern Miss, Clemson against your Charlotte boys, uh, Ohio State against Miami of Ohio, LSU against Vandy, and that's not as high. That's a 24. God, I'm thinking about playing Vandy. It's disgusting. Yeah. Their penalties have been a nightmare. It's too many points. Maybe I'll I'll roll with you on Charlotte. I have no interest in Miami of Ohio, and I think Bama's too high, but I'm hoping that gets to 40, 41, 42. Southern Miss is not a bad team. Well, we'll start with Vanderbilt here. I mean, the spread against Georgia was 20. So now this is uh, actually, as you and I were talking and recording the podcast, this thing steamed up to 24 and a half. If it can break 24 and a half, maybe it gets up to 26 and maybe you want to buy in on that because there's just not going to be any money on Vanderbilt whatsoever. You know, they hung in there with Georgia for a while to get close to that cover. But as far as I've had a lot of people in my DMs asking me about Charlotte and uh, uh, Clemson. And yeah, I still love Charlotte. Problem is, is I make the number 42 and a half and I want 42 and a half. And I just don't think there's any sharp money I don't think there's any sharp Charlotte people standing at the line saying, oh, I've got this money and I'm waiting to get down on Charlotte. I think the number is going to steam. I think it's going to be enough public steam where I'm going to be able to get 42 and a half comfortably, maybe 43. Maybe it goes. I'm just going to wait till you and I are recording Saturday morning show for the Action Network and see what the number is there. And I'm sure there'll be a 43 out there. I will happily take Charlotte. Now, Dabo and Will Healy are friends. So, uh, you know, they text with each other. And so I don't think there's going to be anything getting run up here. Uh, Dabo's got North Carolina next week. You know, I, I do think Trevor Lawrence needs to have a four, five, six touchdown day. But I mean, I'm kind of questioning the over here because I've seen Charlotte enough now to know that they can put, you know, they, they can get a late garbage touchdown. I mean, Texas State, we had a problem getting a garbage touchdown. Charlotte, no problem. As far as Bama, Southern Miss goes, we know the rules, Saban. You get over five touchdowns in non-conference, you take the other team. Uh, Saban's a little bit extra pissed off this year, but I still, that that's a rule of thumb. Not a game I played yet. You know, one we haven't mentioned is I think BYU is going to beat Washington flat out. I think Jacob East is going to get shut down by a BYU defense that is great at stopping explosive passing. The train moves on for the Cougars, man. They just keep beating these Power 5 teams. It's no problem whatsoever. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is they have, what do they have in the tank? Like, are they going to come out yeah, true. With, a, with just a, you know, they played Utah, Tennessee, USC, and now Washington. That's my only worry there. Right. Uh but I would agree with you. If they can come out and have energy and, you know, they're a team that does practice in altitude. So it's a well-conditioned team. Um, then, yeah, I like them, especially at seven. If you can grab that line's been moving all over the place. Uh, one, someone got in my DMs and said, we haven't talked about minor nation. We're talking minor nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Minor Nation at home against Nevada, 14 plus 14 and a half. I should be betting them. They're off a buy. I power rated 12. It's 14 and a half. Uh, the problem is, is I couldn't mathematically in the advanced stats make Nevada as bad as they look. Uh, their power rating has them, I think, outside the top 100 right now. Nevada is falling, kind of like what you and I said during the summer. So, you know, and I don't believe in UTEP. I mean, listen, one shitty team a week, okay? I got UMass. I got Central Arkansas, all right? Are you going to make me bet Texas State and or... Tulsa. 
We're going to take a break on Texas State for a week. Georgia State has fallen off a cliff. It makes me Nothing we're so is, worried about yeah. Tennessee is one of the things. Like how, <laughs> Tulsa against the fraud that is Wyoming. Tulsa minus three, uh, three and a half at home. Why, I think Wyoming is the biggest fraud in all of FBS. You know, I'll give it further inspection. I'm looking at the number right now. You know, the numbers, uh, all things even, the number is exactly where it should be. All right. Uh, before we go three and out here, let's do my favorite segment, FC yes or no. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC Yes or No. Usually there's large, you know, there's a large slate of games that match up FBS and FCS teams. There's not that many this week. One that jumps out to me, I want you to wait for 28. It's the only one that really jumps out to me. If wait for 28 on Elon. Elon against Wake Forest. They're going to be up for this game. Elon's is a good team. You know, if you look at what Elon went, you know, trucked Richmond last week. They lost to NCA and T in their first week, who's really good too. They're in the top fifteen. Elon's in the top twenty in FCS. They have a really strong passing attack, and this is just flat city for Wake. Wake is all these emotional wins. You know, they're three and zero. It's this is a noon kick against Elon. So if you can get four touchdowns here, Elon has a kid at quarterback who Wake actually recruited. His name is Cheek. They can score points here. 28 with Elon. Flat city for Wake here. So that's mine. What do you got in FCS? No Southern Illinois Salukis this year uh, going up against Arkansas State? No. I I don't have Southern Illinois unless they play (laughs) UMass. I am going to take the big one. The midnight... Eastern Standard Time game of Hawaii and Central Arkansas. The Central Arkansas Purple Bears, who play in my state of home state of Arkansas on a purple field, and don't drink. They're in a dry county. Uh, so Central Arkansas is the worst in the FCS in running the ball. There's like 116 teams in FCS, and they rank 116. They are a average 1.17 yards per carry. Uh, that's pretty poor. And you want to know why that is? Central Arkansas loves to throw the ball. They're 3-0 and on the season. They've already beaten Western Kentucky. Uh, they pulled a close one out against Abilene Christian last week, who uh, gets some votes in the FCS poll. But there was like three turnovers involved in that game. That's why it was close. Hawaii is terrible at defending the pass. So Central Arkansas is coming in hot to throw the ball. Hawaii's terrible at defending the pass. They're below 115th and allowing 10-plus yard passes, 20-plus yard passes, and 50-plus yard passes. So I'm going to take the Purple Bears here. They're going to be able to throw it around. They're going to be able to get cheap points. Uh, I took them at 15.5. As I hit it on the app, as we're talking right now, it went down to 14.5. So uh, Sagarin makes this game 12 try to get over double digits with this maybe there'll be some hawaii push some shapers out there some people that like to push fcs shit around at low limits let them do that see if you can get a 14 on the purple bears here and i'll be up uh tweeting and writing our uh wonderful sunday projections for week five uh probably gonna be one of my if umass covers then i feel like i could take a loss here but i think i'm gonna win both i might parlay them together right Oh, boy. Um, all right. Before we go three and out, let's, you have to lie to me like you do once a week about your Arkansas hogs who are playing just an atrocious game, a, a game on a on a day that has so many good games. I can't imagine you're going to be watching this game. They play San Jose State at home. They're laying three touchdowns. Lay it or stay away. Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. 
I think you should look at the Spartans. We were tied with Colorado State late in the third, and uh, Nick Starkle finally woke up and led us to score around three straight scores against uh, Colorado State to finally pull away. But Bobo and Colorado State were able to put up 35 points against Arkansas. Not impressed. And San Jose State is is about equal level with Colorado State. 21 is just too much in my opinion. It's an overreaction. All right, before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right, for first down, let's talk Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Uh, We have some great games, in my opinion, uh, on Friday night. USC and Utah. This line's floating between three and a half and four. Utah, three and a half, four-point favorite at USC, at the Coliseum, where they've never won. I think the last time they won in Los Angeles was in 1916. Fact check me on that, but I think that's right. Sometime around over 100 years ago. The Air Raid, USC runs the Air Raid. They have one of the most talented groups of receivers in the country. You know, Slovis, their freshman quarterback. You know, he struggled a little bit at BYU, making some bad throws, but I think he'll be more comfortable at home. The Air Raid just gives Utah and their scheme fits. I think there's some value with USC, who I have plus four. I also like the over because USC has shown that they can't. They struggle with mobile quarterbacks. They're struggling off the edge. So I think that Utah is going to be able to move the ball. I think this is a shootout and a close one. I'm going to say 31-28, Utah finds a way. I, I'm not sure I'm as confident uh, about Utah. So let's just let me preface this because uh, I've told a lot of people this. If you followed what we were doing back in the spring when it was all Utah 10 to 1, Utah 6 to 1, Utah plus 350 for the Pac 12 uh, championship, you need to put at least a unit on USC right here. And I'm not saying money line, I'm saying take the points because you could middle a future and a potential game that could decide the, the, the division here. So. Put money down anyways just for that reason for taking USC. Now, if you don't have any money invested in Utah whatsoever, still take USC. I'm positive that they're going to cover this. One of my one of my most sure things of the week is them covering this game, and it's because of the air raid offense, because they're going to be throwing downfield. You're not going to be able to get anywhere on Utah's front seven. USC is not going to be able to power against them. It's going to be Slovis running the air raid. Do I think Utah can put up points? Yeah, but it ain't going to be smash mouth in your face up against, you know, through the center and the guards. It's going to be outside the tackles. There's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be plenty of points scored in this game. I think USC covers this game. I hope they lose, but I I mean, I'm legitimately worried about the Pac-12 South because of this game. If Utah makes it through this game, then we got a freebie to lose somewhere. We can lose to Washington. We can lose to Wazoo, whatever. They're going to win tiebreakers to win the South Division, but this is the big one. Should be a good one. We have our uh, betting guide out there uh, for Friday night, which you can check out tomorrow or today when you're listening to this, if you're listening to the pod on the Action app and actionnetwork.com. The other game that I really like, one of my favorite games on the board, now it's down to seven, is Air Force plus eight against Boise State. Air Force is legit. They are a legitimate contender in the Mountain West, they can win this game. And coming into the season, these were two teams that had, their strength was going to be offensive line. Boise State was one of three teams in the country that had all five starters coming back on the offensive line. Well, that hasn't happened. They've had injuries all over. They've had, you know, both their tackles are most likely going to be out against Air Force, who was in the backfield all down Colorado. And now they have two freshmen in there. Everyone's playing different percentages. Coming into the Portland State game, their quarterback, Backmar, was hit more than any other quarterback in the country. And Portland State was getting pressure on him. On the other side, we talked about Georgia's offensive line stats. Go ahead and take a look at who's second in those you know, line yards and opportunity. It's Air Force. 
That offensive line is legit. It's athletic. You know, it's all the guys back from last year. They're deep. They're going to run this. They're going to, you know, control the ball. Hammond also could, you know, they have someone who could throw it. You know, they're, they're not going to throw it a bunch. They're obviously going to run, you know, the only team running it more on average per game this year is Navy. And, you know, then it's Air Force and then um, it's Army. But when they're taking shots, Hammond can get it down the field. And this is the best Air Force secondary they've had in a while. Still not a strength. It's never going to be a strength of Air Force. But it's their best secondary they've had in a while. This Air Force team is legit. They're going to win in the trenches. Boise State's also going to be missing a free safety. Pierce, who would be excellent covering the option and has done so in the past. But their tackles being out makes this offensive line a mess on Boise's side. It's a rock on Air Force's side. Lines down to seven. Anything seven and over I think is good. This Air Force team is real. And it's spectacular. What do you see? <laughs> I one hundred percent agree with you. You know, we're a big fan of the Air Force here. Hopefully, when the Commander in Chief, they they got a good chance to do it this year with what they got in the trenches. Um, I think market wise, that this there may be a couple books that get to seven and a half. I'm I'm, I'm seeing some juice steam up, and and really, there are people out there that just probably see the Boise and Boise playing at home. It happens every time. Happening, it's Marshall. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big win for Air Force. They're on a letdown after they won that game. It's a service academy. That doesn't happen, all right? So I they think they play going... 7,000 feet elevation. <laughs> That's where they practice, or so, 6,600. I think Wyoming's the only one higher. But these kids are, you right. think that they're going to be tired? Or, no, these are the most well-conditioned team in the country. So I may pop on some Top Gun soundtrack music and and watch this game uh, late at night on side tv from utah usc i think there's gonna be some seven and a halves clip out there which yeah air force will you'll see it pop in uh and to pivot over i'm actually gonna have a play on florida international i think they're finally gonna get it together here we're getting into conference play there's uh problems with louisiana tech especially on the run on the ground uh they have one of the best secondaries in the nation uh i think this game is going to be complete ground all the time. I like the under in this game. I think the number is way too high. It's come down from, I think, nine, eight, seven and a half. It's now down to seven. Uh, I think here within an hour or two, I'll, I'll, I'll have an, uh, an alert out of the action app. I like Florida International in this spot. I think Butch to get his guys up finally with conference play starting. There you go. All right, moving on to second down before we get to our Moneyline underdog parlay. Let's just one word answer here. Favorite, I'm going to switch it off. Favorite NFL play of the weekend. I'll start. Lions, three words, or Ravens. Dead. Less than three words. All right. Jets. Oof. All right. There you have it. Lions and Jets. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, third down, Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Colin has hit all of his this year. I have not. I am still and will forever be mad at Akron for last week. This week, I'm going with our friend. Our friend who continues to be undervalued in the market. Our friend who has covered every game this year. Our friend who put up 80, I think, last week. Our friend who we have you know, to win the conference at some good prices. And that's La Lafayette, UL Lafayette against Ohio. They're catching three, three and a half um, at Ohio. Look, these are two teams that can run the ball. I think they're both in the top 25 in rush offense. But Ohio can't defend the run at all. Uh, Marshall ran all over them. And you can't stop this La Lafayette. Rushing attack with their backs is explosive, and Ohio's not going to be able to stop them. 
unlike last week when you made me grumble with the with the Akron, I that that, that one is stamped, sealed, and approved. Uh, I it was between two teams for me. The one that I threw out everybody was Stanford. Uh, it, it's a really you know ten and a half point was about a plus three ten on the money line. Uh, I will be playing it anyways. Uh, and so, so a couple of my round robins. Uh, I don't like Oregon on the road. I never have. Don't trust crystal ball. But moving on, not for this for the under underdog podcast money line parlay. It's going to be San Diego State plus one fifty five. I think they're going to get it done against Utah State. People don't realize that the three three five defense is something that Jordan Love hasn't seen. Uh, the San Diego State is top ten in havoc, and that Utah State, who really hasn't played anybody at this point, they lost one hundred and fifteen career starts on the offensive line. And Rocky Long has said out loud publicly twice this week. The only way to stop Jordan Love is to attack him. Pressure him immediately. I'm taking the Aztecs. All right, there you go. Aztecs and our Raging Cajuns. That pays about 5-1. to one. We'll have it written up on the app and on actionnetwork.com. Thanks for joining me, Colin. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't already, download the Action Network podcast. Rate, review, you know, tell a friend. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you don't forget about the voicemail this weekend. We'll have a recap on our Monday podcast of all the voicemails you leave 575-655-0664 you can find it on my twitter at stucky2 he's colin at underscore colin one with two l's and we'll catch you right back here same time next week cheers peace out